Well, there are times when we just don't have the words. Our mouths are the doors to our hearts, but they can't always produce the coherent sounds that convey what we feel inside. No matter how hard we try, uh, we know our words fall short of what we want to say. That is one reason I think God has given us music and dance and art and photography and maybe even sport. There are things that can only be expressed in what we do and not the words we use. I've mentioned this before, um, but the great dancer Isadora Duncan was asked what a particular dance meant and she replied, if I could tell you what it meant, there would be no point in me dancing it. I'm sure you know the feeling of not having the words. Maybe it's when you see something truly beautiful in nature. Uh, In early 1981, I cycled around Tasmania, uh, and it was so many, uh, there were just so many beautiful places. Uh, I remember one early morning going over the last hill and looking down into Wineglass Bay on the east coast. And I I was so stunned, I was silent. I was with a couple of friends, but really we just looked at it and could say nothing. It's just so beautiful. Many years later, Carlin and I went on a study tour of Jordan and Israel, uh, and for a couple of nights, uh, we stayed at on kibbutz on uh, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, early one morning, I went down to the seashore and I thought Jesus could have walked that shore, walked on that shingle, maybe even walked on the water. And again, I was speechless. Music does that. I remember the first time I ever heard Nessun Dorma. It was in the winter of 1985. I was cleaning out my uncle's dog kennels just outside East Sussex, uh, uh, Hastings in East Sussex. It was cold and damp and uh, just a bit smelly. But that aria lifted me up as if I was floating on the clouds. And and all I wanted to do was hear it over and over and over again. There, There were no words that I could used to express how that music made me feel. It happens when we see someone who has been away for a a long time uh, and all we can do is hold them. When a hug says so much more than any words we could utter. And again, when we hold a newborn baby for the first time and all we can do is say totally banal things like, oh, aren't you beautiful? Oh, you're so precious. And we say that even though they're red and blotchy and sometimes blue, because we just don't have anything like the words to capture the overwhelming feeling of wonder and love we feel. The Apostle Paul does better than most to express his love for God in our passage today. But you can see he's struggling. How can one speak of a mystery? It's a mystery. How can one say anything about eternity when we're so limited by our experience of time? What do we really know about the heavenly realms? But to give him his due, 
Paul does try because he does want us to know the delight that he feels and he thinks we can feel, he knows we can feel, in the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, the many good things that flow from entrusting our lives to Jesus and he, he really wants us to understand that love. While Paul has some important things to say in the passage, we must not let them hide Paul's overwhelming love for God. There are a number of issues that the reading from Ephesians 3 rose, raised for us. You know, why was it at this particular time? Why had he hidden it for, for millennia? Why Israel in the first century? Things like that. But really, if you focus upon those issues, it takes you away from what Paul is really trying to convey, which is his great love for God and his desire to share that. And today... I don't want to get in the way of Paul's love song to God, but allow Paul's words to speak to us so that we too can share in the love and wonder Paul feels. We're picking up in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, he was writing from prison, probably in Caesarea, uh, on the Mediterranean coast of Israel. Uh, went there also when we were in uh, uh, Israel, and uh, Carlin is really good at photobombing uh, my, uh, my photos. Um, but uh, that's Caesarea on the, on the Israel coast. And he was writing from there to Jewish and Gentile Christians in cities and towns in the west of Turkey in about 57 to 59. He was reminding them of who Jesus is and how Jesus had given them new life and reconciled Jew and non-Jew. I think Paul's aim here in chapter 3 is to help the Christians he was writing to join him in his love and admiration of Jesus. Uh, his words for me work at two levels. Uh, on the surface, he's conveying information about God's plan for these new Christians and praying for them. But beneath the surface, his choice of words are shaping how they respond deep down to Jesus. It's not so much an engagement with the emotions as opposed to their intellects, but dealing with the whole person in a deep and all-embracing way so that they may know Jesus' love and love like Jesus. Paul calls himself a prisoner. What is it that is so special, so important, that someone would become a prisoner for it? For Paul, it is his overwhelming desire to share the love of God. He could have shut up, kept a low profile, but no. His desire for us to know God's love is so great that he would go to jail for it. Ultimately, he would die for it. Paul is saying, surely you have heard. What I'm saying is so important that I can't imagine that if you've heard it, that you're not affected by it in the same way as I am. And we all like to receive things. Paul is saying, in God's grace, he has been given something for them that he would go to jail for, and as I said, eventually die for. What could be better than a precious free gift? There must have been, they must have been on edge, just wondering what this could be. What could this 
gift possibly be? Uh, it's something that needs insight. And although a mystery, it's something that Paul's insight, given to him by God, could begin to reveal to them. They are to share in something revealed by God, so very special. Uh, Paul can hardly contain his in- in- excitement. It hasn't been made to, known to people of other generations, but now it has been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. God has pulled out all the stops for them so that they may know the good news that Jew and non-Jew alike share in Jesus. Paul's been writing for at least 20 years and by this stage of his writing career, Paul is a master and he builds tension, he builds excitement, he's speaking by power and with the insight that only God can give. And even though Paul is a no one, the least of God's people, His limitations don't stop him getting fully excited by what he has to share. But he's still not there. He intensifies it by referring to the boundless riches of Christ. What riches? It's as if you're walking up through the bush on the hill behind Wineglass Bay at dawn and you can... You have a sense of the glow on the horizon and and darkness is giving way to light and there's a a touch of warmth in the air and perhaps even some saltiness. All your uh, uh, senses are being engaged. Uh, This mystery has been hidden for ages by the God who created all things and it's about to be revealed. What is it? What is it? Come on, I'm bursting to know. But Paul keeps us dangling just a little bit longer. He says that God's intent lies behind it in his manifold or great wisdom, which is so wonderful and important that the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, and we don't have time to even think about what they would be, but it's being shared with his audience of this letter and it's being shared with us today. It's part of God's eternal plan accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is it? And it's as if, with all the expectations he's been building up, verse after verse, image after image, excitement after excitement, words fail him. All he can do is look on in wonder and offer the equivalent of a, wow, or isn't she beautiful, or a long, aching hug. You know, if he could hug Jesus then, I think that's what he would do rather than try and express what he's trying to express here. But it is because it's just too good for words. All Paul can bring himself to say is, in him through faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That is what he's been building up to. To our modern ears, that might not sound that much. Freedom and confidence? Come on, there must be more to it than that. We live in a free country where we are free to worship what God we want or none. Many Australians feel free to make up their own God or their own spirituality. 
We have a freedom of speech that was largely unknown in previous ages. We are confident to call our Prime Ministers, Hawkey, Scomo, Albo, to their faces. We do not need any more freedom or confidence. But if you know the restrictions of other religions or religious practices down the ages, including within Christian churches, or, or the fear of repressive government, then freedom and confidence take on a totally new light. Or if your fear of God is really fear in the sense of being afraid, afraid that you're not good enough, that you will never be good enough, then this freedom will be real and life-changing for you. It's a freedom to reach out and take what God offers, what he offers freely through Jesus, and the confidence that that's all you need to live well in this age and the age to come. Jesus called this being born again. But even Jesus is limited by our human words. Because it's hard to express the wonder of God opening up the spiritual dimensions of his creation and giving us the chance to start again and to know his love. You have to feel it to know it. For Paul, all he can think to do is to fall down on his knees and pray. For many of us, when we feel the wonder of God's love in Jesus, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, we are speechless. We are, as we will sing in our song immediately after this, lost in wonder, love and praise. The love of God that Paul has only been able to hint at in the words like mystery and unsearchable richness and manifold wisdom has made him almost silent because he just can't get it out, what he feels. He doesn't need to mention Jesus' death for us on the cross, the price he paid to ransom us out of slavery and to sin, the hope we have in the resurrection of the body and life eternal, because how else could we be confident and free if it wasn't for what God did for us on the cross in Jesus? Paul knows they know the story of the cross, so he doesn't need to repeat it. He's just trying to convey the significance of it for them. Freedom, confidence, hope, new life, a grace-filled life. Feel it, grasp it, enjoy it forever. And so he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. His love goes deep, deep, deep down. But for all his breathless excitement, Paul still does better than I could possibly do because in his prayer he finally gets to express his hopes for what the grace of God will do. Paul's prayer is that 
Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And he prays that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know his, this love that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses knowledge, it surpasses our words, but we can still know it when we grasp it. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You might be totally filled up with love so that you may love like he loves. It's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? We may think that it is beyond us to love like that until we remember that it is God who embeds that love in us and nurtures it and fills us up with his love so that we can love like this. If we feel the power and wonder of that love, there is really nothing we can do to stop it. And we may join with Paul in his first act of that love and turn that love back on God in praise and say, sing or pray now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He's confident it is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To be clear, Paul is not talking about some soppy, sentimental love, some superficial niceness. He's talking about the love that Jesus showed, a passionate, sacrificial concern for the weak and marginalised, a, a hatred of hypocrisy and people who look shiny white on the outside and are hard and bitter and nasty underneath. Paul's prayer is that his audience may share this love. Not because he somehow thinks he's better than them, smarter than them or, or anything else. Just because this gift from God is the best thing he knows, the best thing he can think about that's possible in this amazing universe that God has created. And it's there for them and for us by the same generous, loving grace of God. As God's Spirit works within us to help us understand this love and then to share it. In our chapter today, Paul sets, out, sets up the, the second half of this letter. The first three chapters are largely about who Jesus is and what he's done. We might say it's the theology. And then the next three chapters are about how to live like this. So please keep coming and, and see how you turn this love into action in the, in the coming chapters. And we'll see the different ways we are to live because of this love, the way that it changes our relationships, the way that it changes the way that we might think of ourselves as church, and until finally we put on the full armour of God to live and love well in this life until Jesus returns. Because he doesn't leave us alone. He gives us everything we need to be able to live and love like this. 
Paul in prison shares this love because he knows it is what God wants. He wants everyone to fall to their knees, speechless at the wonder of God's love poured out in Jesus for the glory of God and for our good. And I cannot add to Paul's words. And I fear if I say anything more, I may take away from them. So let's use the great gift of music to praise God for his love for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and get lost in wonder, love and praise. Please stand.